How many believe greater things are still to be done? We haven't seen the greatest days yet. Hallelujah. Glory. You go ahead and turn that on if you don't mind. As you know, we've been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we've been studying on the fruits of the Spirit. And we've been speaking on love. Today we want to speak on an issue as we see here. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. What I want to share with you today, of course, is today we touch on the Spirit. Love is not proud. You know, I was at a dealership this week getting my car fixed, and as I was waiting in line, somebody drove up with a real nice car, and there was three ladies attending people, and this person really, this guy really got a bad attitude and was uh, treating these ladies wrong. And, you know, uh, when I went back that afternoon, they said, I don't think he's going to be coming here anymore, and they apologized. I said, you have nothing to apologize, but you know, how many of you know what the world really wants to see is sincerity, humility. The world does not want to see proud pride manifested outside in the world or inside of the church. You know, there's no reason to be rude or arrogant. And I want to show you in, in this next clip. The Bible says in Psalms 131 verse 2, Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Or the message translation says, like a baby content in his mother's arms, my soul is baby content. How many know that's contentment right there? That's my oldest boy. He doesn't look like that anymore. He's 21 this month. But how many know he just got through being fed by mama? And I mean, how many know, does that have a face of worry or fear? I mean, is that chilled or is that chilled? And that's what the Lord is saying. That's how I want your soul to be in your life. I don't want you worrying. I don't want you fretting. How I many know he's not, trying to, he's not trying to influence anybody right there? He's not trying to have his way right there. He's content. And there's a deep work that God wants to do in our soul to bring us to the point of contentment. And the Bible says in Matthew 18, 4, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, no matter how old we get, no matter how big we get, no matter how blessed we get, God still wants us to be childlike. Do you know that pride is the foundation that Satan builds on? Do you know that love is the foundation that Jesus builds on? If there's anything this world needs at this hour we live in, we're going to have to walk in the area of love and we're going to have to walk in the area of humility. You know, pride causes God to close His embrace, but love causes Him to open His arms to embrace us. And I have a few things I thought I'd share with you about humility. It says, it is when we forget ourselves that we do things that are most likely to be remembered. When we forget ourselves. The fellow who does things that count doesn't usually stop to count them. The hen that laid the biggest egg usually does the least cackling. <laughs> One of the hardest secrets for a man to keep is his opinion of himself. To grow tall spiritually, a man must first learn to kneel. Sincere humility attracts. Lack of humility subtracts. Artificial humility detracts. The person who looks up to God rarely looks down on people. A fault which humbles a man is more used to him than of a good action which puffs him up. 
No matter how humble you think you are, it always comes as a shock to find out some people don't like you. Have you ever been there? (laughs) It always comes as a shock that some people don't like you. But what I want to talk to you today is that God is wanting to bring a maturity and a strength. And we've received so much from the Father. And what the Father wants to do is shatter areas of pride in our life. And I want to talk about areas that need to be shattered in our life today. And I want to share another scripture with you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, Young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he opens up and gives grace to the humble. Amen. How many of you know God loves you? You've heard that all of your life. You know, Jesus loves you. God loves you. We tell people that all the time. But you know, pride many times keep walls up from keeping God's people from loving us. We live in isolation. We're not going to give our heart to anybody. We're not going to trust anybody. You know, I've already believed in somebody and they let me down. But I want to tell you just something that I believe uh, I want to share with you out of sincerity. You know, I used to pray God to take away the Judases, the Judas out of my life. But the older I get and, and the more we get involved in ministry, the more I thank God or the times I've had to gone through the Judas experience where I've gotten the kiss of betrayal. When people were trying to go around disfame or talk down or belittle. Because when it was at that time where Judas might have came up to me and might have hurt me, they, they drove me to my knees. I thank God for the moments where the betrayal has happened in my life. And no, my life has not been perfect. And no, I have not always been around perfect people but it drives me to back to my perfect God Amen. it drives me down on my knees it drives me examining my heart before God because I want the father's embrace especially when it seems like everything's against me and there's this little stuff going around or people are against you or people are hurting you it's, those, it's that time where Judas is coming to kiss you that you're able to still say friend Lord I bless that person I desire to forgive that person You know, pride lifts up those walls to where, you know, I want to tell you something that's real popular in in church, especially with us charismatics and word of faith people. You know, we can be right, but have a wrong attitude. You know what I've heard all my life? I've heard Christians say, I knew there was something wrong with that man. I just discerned. Thank God I've got the spirit of discernment. I discerned in my spirit that that woman had a Jezebel spirit. Oh, I knew, I knew there was something wrong with that couple. I knew they were fake from the minute they came in. Thank God for the spirit of discernment. Well, you might have discerned right. First of all, you better not be discerning anything. It better be the Holy Ghost discerning. And how can we be so proud of discerning? And why are we so happy and want to put fireworks on and celebrate when we find out what we really thought about the person was true? We can be so right, but so wrong. I have been right. And I put my place in the place of God and said, I knew that. I discerned that. I sensed that. And I ended up being worse than the people I discerned because my pride made me proud that I'm a man of God and they're a person of the devil. They've got an evil spirit. The wrong attitude, even though being right. And how many times with people, we've been right. And then we get proud of being right. 
Or we get proud. Thank God I'm not like that sinner. Thank God I'm not doing or not capable of doing what they're doing. That's right. Thank God you're not capable of doing what maybe somebody else has done, but you are capable of doing what Satan and Eve did. And that's become a self-seeker. It's about me. And I have been guilty. I know you've battled these areas. Someone interviewed Billy Graham and they said, what do you want to be remembered as? He says, I don't want to be remembered. I want my Savior to be remembered. I want Jesus to be remembered. And I believe that's that's the type of heart, that's the type of character God is wanting to build in our lives to where we can be like that child. I'm just content. Hey, do you know why they're talking about you now? No. Do you know what they're saying about you now? No. Do you know what they're, they're going to do about you? No. What are you going to do about it? I'm like a weaned child in the arms of my father. I just want to stay with a humble and a contrite heart. I want God to purge me. And I want Him to shatter all the pride in my life. It says here that Don Johnson, you might remember I was a Miami Vice fan and still am. And, you know, Don Johnson was uh, walking around and somebody came up and asked him for his autograph. And he was signing autographs and his little boy grabbed his coat and says, Dad, why do they want your autograph? I mean, no, those who live with us are usually the ones that are able to help us humble ourselves and realize, who are you, Dad? What do they want your autograph for? What's so great about you? And, you know, how many know there's these little things that help us pop the bubbles Come on down to life, earth where God can help us. Alex Haley, who wrote Roots, he told the story. He had a picture in his office, and it was a turtle on top of of a fence post. And someone said, "What, what do you have that picture for? He says, well, he says, every time I start thinking I'm something, I look at that picture, and I remember that turtle's not up there because he got up there by himself. Somebody put him up there. And, you know, that's about how much it is with our life. You know, if we are anything, it's because God had mercy and grace on us and God sent people around us and God sent people who loved us to put us on top. So how many know so we can't think of ourselves more than we do? And Peter Marshall wrote, Lord, when we are wrong, make us willing to change. When we are right, make us easy to live with. Boy, when I'm right, I want my wife to know it. When I'm right, I want people to know it. Yeah, I knew it. But how many know that's a turnoff more than a help? And so it says here, Lord, help me to be able to be able to be lived with. Now I want to read, look with me in Matthew chapter eleven. Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty eight. Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You see, that's not heavy laden right there. And I will give you rest. How many want the rest of the Lord? You know, we're gonna, I'm going to show you in a few weeks when we get to, that, to a certain point. Love is kindness and gentleness. Everything that love and the fruit of the Spirit is, it's the answer of living at peace and at rest. It, healing to your bones. Healing to your marrow. Healing to your heart. Healing to your circulation. I mean, love can even heal hemorrhoids. You know where they say hemorrhoids come from? I know you don't have them, but 
for those outside who do, you know what hymn words come from? Built up interior anger. People who are angry and don't let it out. So you see these people who say, I don't hold nothing back? They don't have hemorrhoids. It's the people that hold it in. Like they say, it's going to come out somehow. So anyway, it says in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. What is he? Gentle. And what? Lowly in heart. Humble. And you will find rest. Look at that baby. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, there's something real interesting. That word burden, if you're taking notes, means my sensitivity. It's the word to be sensitive. It's the word to be touchable. It's the word to see the needs of others. It's the word to be outward instead of looking inward. He says, learn of me. I am sensitive like a wound that has been, an old wound that when you touch it. In fact, I'm supposed to be so sensitive. Do you know he says, when we're the apple of his eye, he means you are the most tender part of my body. But we always say, I'm the apple of God's eye. But listen, that love of Christ, to love one another as I have loved you, means we're also supposed to be as tender in our eyes towards others as his eyes tender towards us. I'm the apple of God's eye. Floyd is the apple of my eye and God's eye. Bonnie is the apple of my eye and God's eye. Sensitive there. But you know, in this life that we live, and listen, as things might get rough and and we hear different things and there's a lot of division going around in the world and a lot of bad things happening, we have to be sure we do not want to live in this end time with stony hearts. We do not want pride to build up hard hearts. And one of the things the Bible talks about is to behold our king who is humble and who is lowly riding upon a donkey. To look upon our king. And it goes on to say, there's another scripture I want to share with you out of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 and 11. It says, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And that day they shall be great mourning in Jerusalem and mourning in the valley of Megiddo. The way, listen church, the way we have to be and the way we have to work on it. About keeping our hearts soft. About not becoming hard towards a certain type of sinner a certain type of politician, a certain type of leader, an ex-husband or ex-wife, maybe somebody out of the church you came from, maybe somebody you're working for, is even though, thank God, we preach the resurrection, Jesus, Paul says, I preach Christ crucified. And what this scripture is saying there is that you and I have to take a daily walk around the cross of Jesus Christ and we have to examine Him from the crown of his brow to his near pierced feet and see the sorrow and examine his life and the way he responded and the way he lived and the way he loved 
So, so many times, you know, we talk about different denominations. Why? I don't see why they have that Jesus on the cross. He's not there anymore. And He's not there anymore. But it wouldn't hurt us to have a Jesus on the cross to look at or to all the time watch the passion in Jesus of Nazareth and always go to that part where Jesus suffered from the Garden of Gethsemane to the whipping post to the being spat upon being betrayed, being mocked, being hit, all that Jesus went through to soften our hearts. Someone asked John Newton when he was dying, and John Newton worked on a slave ship. He's the one who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. And they asked him, when you get to heaven, who do you want to meet? He says, when I get to heaven, you'll find me sitting with the thief on the cross next to Christ who received him. I want to sit with the thief. I want to find out about his life. I want to find out what he felt at that moment when he was about to die and he saw a bleeding Savior and he cried out, have mercy upon me. You see, there's something interesting in Luke chapter 1 when Simon the prophet told Mary, a sword is going to pierce your heart. Do you know the the way we can have a soft heart and be sensitive to the yoke of God? Our hearts have to be pierced. You know, when the Roman centurion stabbed Jesus in the side with that spear, he stabbed his heart. It says, water and blood gushed out. And he stood there and he said, surely this is the Son of God. Well, do you know, it's by us having our hearts pierced that people will be able to say, not that you're Baptist, not that you're Nazarene, not that you're a preacher, not that you're a worship leader. They'll say, this is truly a son and a daughter of the Most High God. What this world needs and what it will always need even more as the days go by, true sons and daughters of the living God. But listen, what pierced Jesus' heart has to pierce my heart. And as I look upon that cross and I see Christ crucified and I, I, I recollect and, and I walk through the sufferings that He did, thank God He's not in that tomb. How many know He's alive? Amen. But he's alive because first he suffered at the hands of people who were cruel to him and he paid the price for me. And it talks about bitterness there twice. Bitterness upon bitterness upon bitterness to feel the anguish. It was my sins that nailed him to that cross. What do I have to be proud of? I am saved by the grace of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's by looking at the cross and looking at Christ and thanking God that He paid that price for me and for everybody in this world to keep that heart sensitive, to keep me from getting in an area about, look how good I am. Because you know what? Come, you know, it is so easy. It is so easy when you're in love with Jesus to live for Jesus. It is so easy to live with somebody when you're in love with somebody. But pride breaks up so many relationships. Let me give you an example right quick. How many ever heard, it's killing me trying to fix him. It's killing me. I'm, I'll tell you what, I've been working on her. I've been trying to train him. I've been working on them. I've been trying to fix them. But it is killing me trying to fix them. Well, you know what? Humility says, just concentrate on fixing yourself you know it's almost killing me to fix me how in the world am I going to fix two people when I'm still trying to fix me 
But if I fix me, then I'll be able to fix... Then my example and my love will be able to help other people fix themselves. Do you know, as pastor, do you know, I would, already, I would have not survived the eight, nine years I've been here if my job was to fix everybody? My job isn't to fix everybody. My job's not to judge everybody. My job's not to discern everybody. My job's to love everybody. So I sleep like that at night. Ask Jake if I don't right away. Why? I'm not the fixer. So then I can't say, look what I've done. I can't say, look at my disciples. No. They're Jesus' disciples. Fix. Listen to this. Attitudes of pride. So many times, and this is where it gets us. I'd rather be right than have a relationship. I'd rather be right. I am so into that. I'm going to prove that I'm right. I won't talk to you. I won't have a good marriage. I won't have a good relationship with my children. I will keep my distance to prove to you I'm right. Come on, honey, forgive me. No. Come on, let's talk about this, brother. No. Until you admit I'm right, there is no more relationship. And the world is full of people like that. Until you can apologize to me, there is no relationship. Now, is that what I see upon the hanging Christ? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what Proverbs chapter 26 says? Pick your fights. Because you may end up grabbing a rapid dog by the ears and not want to let go. You ever grab a pig by his ears? I know y'all butcher pigs. You ever grab a pig by his ears? You don't want to let go, but boy, it's a fight to hold on. We used to ride goats in the rodeo, and when you'd grab those goats, that goat tried to push you back, and you don't want to let go of those goats' ears. You want to hold on. What the Bible says, be careful, because if you want to pick a fight, watch the fights. You may be finding yourself grabbing something that you can't let go of, because if you let go, you're in trouble. Pride to say, I'm going to stand up. They're going to know what I want to do. Let, let, let me use Jake, Guy, Rick, could you all help me just a minute? I want to show you a, an example right here. Jake, come stand up here. And Rick, you stand right there and turn around and face them. And Guy, you stand on the bottom and turn around. Now, I know Brother uh, David is a big John Wayne fan like I am. And I know you've seen Angel and the Bad Man. That's one of my favorite. But how many of you have ever seen movies? where to get water down from the mountain, they would get like bamboo or wood and they would build these ch- channels that would bring the water down. But the, the, ch- the uh, pipes had to be... Could you bend down? Y'all want to bend down? The pipes had to be bent so the water could flow down. Right? Well, that's what humility is. But let's say Brother Rick here decides, I ain't bending down for nobody. And there's somebody right here crying out for forgiveness, somebody crying out for healing, someone crying out for love, for forgiveness. And it's going to channel from God who is the source. I'm God. (laughs) God is the source, the river that never runs dry, the well of salvation. And he's saying, I'm going to pour my waters out. And here it's rolling down. And Brother Rick decides he's going to have a capricho. He's gonna. He's just gonna have. He's just gonna be angry, upset about something, and I don't care if they get water. How about me? 
Where's my recognition? Where's my praise? The pastor gets all the praise. The youth leader gets all the praise. But how about all the things that I do? You know what? I'm just not bending anymore until I get recognition. And then here's brother guy, you know, commander. He's bent over. He's going, where's the water? There's people below me hollering for water. There's all these little boys who come on Wednesday night hollering for water. And it only takes one to say, I'm not yielding anymore. Thank God brother Rick is one of those who just lets it flow to carry water to a hurting world. Y'all can sit down. Let's give these guys a hand. Pride stops the flow. Pride has ruined a many of churches. Why? Because I'm here to fix the problem. I'd rather be right than have a relationship. Or how about this one? I'm not apologizing. I'm just not apologizing. But baby, you were wrong. I know I was wrong. But you know what? I'm not apologizing. It's pride. I mean, the hardest thing, go to a mother-in-law. Forgive me. (laughs) I'm sorry. But you know what? We want to expose other people's faults and weaknesses and not ourselves. God wants to work on these areas. It's not always me proving I'm right, but admitting I'm wrong and I need help. You know, every time we say something, we're choosing what foundation we're building on. We're choosing what type of fruit we want to produce. We, you know, we we can either act like Satan or we can act like God. You know, Jesus didn't judge, Satan did. Jesus didn't accuse, Satan did. Jesus didn't fight for position, Satan did. Jesus humbled himself on the cross, Satan wanted to exalt himself. Satan lost his position, Jesus gained the highest ground. 1 Peter 5, 5, 7 in the message says, God has had it with the proud. How many of you know our nation is being shaken in its pride? Blessed is the nation who humbles themselves and cries out to God so he can heal their land. He has had it with the proud. He takes delight in just plain people. Thank God I'm a plain person. Amen. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful for you. Embrace your weaknesses and run to God. Go to the Father. Look at the cross and see the areas you need to change. Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. The message says, Pride lands you flat on your face. Humility prepares you for honor. Humility prepares us for honor. Now, I know many of you have heard this story before, but there's some here that have never heard the story, and so I like telling on myself. And I told the story, some of you heard that when my wife and I were in Punta Gorda working with the Mayans, that uh, we were invited to pray for this girl who was known as being demon-possessed, locked in a cage, and they were whipping her and throwing holy water, trying to get the demons out of her in a village called Columbia. Well, we went over there and prayed for her. God delivered the girl, her and her mother got saved. Uh, we didn't spread the news around, but other people started spreading the news around. And we had people asking us to go pray and have services. When we first got there, other missionaries, other missionaries were saying that these kids, my wife was 17 and I just turned 19. These kids would never last here on the mission field. And God started doing signs and wonders. They wanted to start putting testimonies in the paper. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to put that in the paper. You know, I might get the big head. 
but inside I already had got the big head. And this missionary, uh, Brother Holly, came and asked me to go pray for this girl who was dying in the hospital. And so I got in the truck with him, and he invited this guy, Rodney. He was the missionary gossip. It went with us, and we went over there. And on the way over there, I was seeing myself walking to that girl, and I was laying hands on her, commanding her to come out of that bed, and she was coming out of that bed, and I was thanking God already. Thank you, Lord God, you're going to use me to heal this girl, and I think that she is going to be healed and saved. And I was just, you know, God's man of the hour, going to pray for this girl. So I go to the hospital and I'm with Brother Holly, who was a little short man, and then Rodney Bells, he was standing on the side of him, and I was standing there waiting. And the nurse came in and she was trying to find the vein, having trouble finding the vein to put the IV on. And I was watching that. And the next thing I know, I'm in a chair in a corner. And when I come to, I don't know how long it was, when I came to and I opened my eyes, it was just me and the girl in the room. And she was on her stomach and she was looking at me and I was in the chair looking at her and I passed out again. Again. And then when I finally came to the second time, I slowly started getting myself and I said, God, what am I going to do now? And I remembered Brother Shambach. So I walked up to her in her bed and I laid hands and I said, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. <laughs> and I prayed for her. She did end up getting healed, but uh, not because of my prayers. Uh. And so I, I walked out the room, and the nurses and the doctors, they were waiting outside the room. And when I walked out, they go, that's him. That's him. And Rodney beat me to the house to tell my wife that I had passed out in the room trying to pray for somebody. Pride comes before the fall. And I fell. That little short missionary brother, Holly, I fell on top of him, almost knocked him down. The nurses had to leave the girl to come help me. So take it from me. (laughs) Pride comes before the fall. Trying to fix people. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to be sweet around them. I'm not going to treat them right. I'm not going to worry about how they feel. And at the time the Holy Spirit's grieving and He's crying, no. Remember Christ on the cross. Remember His sufferings. Pride. What others think more than what God thinks about me. Listen to some things about pride. Shift blaming. Oh, it's not my fault. That's pride because you don't want to be blamed or accept you're the guilty party. Accusations, fault-finding, criticizing, vengeance, justifying our behavior. That's a form of pride. It may be right, but with a wrong attitude. Well, I'll tell you why I did that. I'll tell you why I said that. Oh, now I understand. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit's looking at my heart. They understand now, and you want them to your side. But am I on your side now that you opened your mouth? And you justified yourself. Or should you just be quiet as Christ was quiet and let them speak against you and let me vindicate you? Is it so important what people think more than what I think? Love is not prideful. I'd rather be right than have a relationship. Mm. You know, there's so many scriptures. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of being equal with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being when he appeared in human form. Thinking the way Christ thought. 
There's a story about Gladys Awood, who was a poor girl in England back in the uh, early 1900s, and she had a learning disability. She cleaned houses uh, for, for some families and didn't have hardly nothing. And one day when she was riding the bus, somebody left some pictures, uh, left a, 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 a newspaper of a, a, the call to China. And God started dealing with her heart to, to go to China. She got home and she put her Bible on the table. She opened out uh, her coin purse and she had two pennies. And she says, Lord, here I, here, here I am. Here's my money and here's my Bible. And if you want me to go to China, you'll make a way. And she ended up saving and she ended up going to China. She had two suitcases, one full of food and one full of pans. And she rode buses across Russia, across Europe, all the way till she got into China. Then she got into where they were having war back then. I don't know if you saw the movie. There's a movie about her where she lived with this elderly missionary lady. And she brought these orphans. And when the enemy was coming in to attack and kill, she took all these orphans and they crossed these mountains. They went into a safe place. And she saved so many lives. And then she ended up meeting uh, the Prince of England and having lunch with him and his wife and meeting so many famous people and everything else but the thing when they asked her what do you say is your success she says I wasn't God's first choice when he sent me to China she says why would God choose me I know there was others who was called but didn't answer the call I just yielded and I went and not many of you are wise or influential or of noble birth but God chooses the lowly things I am thankful today that God chooses the lowly things. It's not the beauty of what the outward cup looks like. What's important is what's inside. A gold goblet won't give me life, but what's inside of it will. It's not the beauty of the outward appearance. It's not the artificial airs. It's not who we try to be, who we want people to think we are. It's what's on inside that comes out and gives life to people. Is that being able to bend down and allow the water to trickle that all I want to be is a channel and an avenue for others to be touched and others to be blessed. John 3.30 says, He must increase and I must decrease. How many pray that all the time? Amen. You know, when we have, we would come up to situations. How, how many ever try to run from situations that we don't want? Run from uh, conf- uh, confrontations and, and run from the things that people are doing. And how many like... Christ didn't do, but how many of us, when we get into situations, it's so easy, listen, to complain. Well, they shouldn't be treating me that way. Well, they shouldn't have treated Jesus the way they treated him. They shouldn't be saying, what did I do to be talked about that way? What did Jesus do? He just came to love. We want to run from them type of people. We want to run from that type of situation where God may be saying, people say, Pastor, you prayed for me a new job. Why didn't I get a new job? This may be because God is breaking something in you through that job till you're where you're supposed to be and then he can promote you. Well, you know, I should be doing much more and you will. But humility brings you to promotion. Pride brings us to the fall. And I always pray, Lord, I don't want to receive something and lose it. Do the work in me to where we can have it and we can keep it and we can grow. Instead of trying to be artificial and do all kind of things and be something that we're not. And that in the end, it ends up not only hurting me, but hundreds and thousands of people. Lord, break me. Break me at the cross. Quick, let me just give you a few things as we end here. 
One of the things we've got to do is humble ourselves before ourselves and our family. Parents, I want to to encourage you about something. One of the greatest things you can do is apologize to your children. You know, we have this attitude where, you know, I'm the man of the home. I'm the dad. I don't have to apologize. They just buckle up and do what I say. And for years, it was that type of personality and that type of attitude. But how many of you know, that's why we have a lot of people in the condition we are now. What we have to do, son, I'm sorry. I have to apologize. I had to apologize to two of my boys this week. I have to apologize to my wife. I have to apologize to my workers. I have to apologize all the time. Why? Because I messed up, but I can't be too big to where, well, you know what? They just need to handle it. Well, he just needs to grow up and learn. that things are not just going to be given to him just like that. They need to grow up. Well, you know what? They're going to learn those type of things, but at least they're going to remember. But, you know, I know what type of character my dad had. You know, I, I said something to one of my boys the other day. I just came out. And then I went and found him again. I said, son, I was wrong for, for mentioning something about you like that. He says, oh, dad, it's okay. I said, no, son. I said, I was wrong for telling you something about that situation. Will you forgive me? I don't want things between me and my family. I don't want things between me and you. And I, I humbly ask you right now if I've offended you in any way. If I've walked away without saying excuse me, if I've looked, my eyes went somewhere else when I was talking to you, or if I did some things that offend you, I ask you to forgive me. I'm not perfect, but I do love you. And I do want to be the type of person I'm supposed to be. And and be long-suffering with me. and Let's be long-suffering with one another. But here, humble ourselves before families and others. This next thing. Begin to see each other as God's creation. Do you know what he was? I know what he is. Do you know what she did? I know what Jesus did for her. See them as God's creation. Another thing, begin to find pleasure in acts of humility. I don't feel like doing that. I don't, that's beyond me. No, it's not. Do acts in humility, find pleasure in it. Trust God that's working and defining and honoring and exalting me. And then God's grace, love, and humility will increase in my life and be able to release me to better have the characteristic of Christ and walk in His love. Amen. How many want to walk in humility? If God resists the proud, I don't want God resisting me. I don't want God resisting my prayer. I don't want God resisting my life. So let's stand. And I want them to get ready. We're going to put on 